Welcome to Three Blondes, One Battle. Um, hello, guys. Hey, girls. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Today, we thought we would come on here and talk about managing stress. Um, we know that it plays a huge role in not just multiple sclerosis, but autoimmune diseases in general. Um, it's just a little trickier, of course, <laughs> with MS as everything is, um, our, our body obviously attacks itself and, um, cortisol levels, uh, cortisol levels, it affects it. So I actually, um, the belief that stress causes relapses, uh, is widespread amongst people with MS, but as far as scientific evidence, um, there was a link, uh, between psychological stress and MS symptoms that was first identified by a gal in 1868. Um, however, over the last 20 years or so, a growing number of studies have found a relationship between stressful life events and both the onset of MS and relapses. Just a little bit of the background. Um, people with MS are more likely to report stressful life events prior to the first identified symptoms. And we'll, we'll tell you about kind of our timeline with our walk. It's very interesting. Um, compared to those with and other neurological disorders or healthy controls. A recent study found that people with MS who experienced distressing events had double the risk of relapse than those who were not exposed to such an event. Another study, this one was funny, or not funny, interesting, definitely not funny. Another study found that 85% of clinically confirmed MS relapses were associated with life events in the preceding six week period. Yeah. I wrote that one down too, Nikki. That was like an aha for me. I'm like, oh, of course that of totally course. makes sense. Cause yes. Yeah. My own life. Yep. Yep. So, um, so other studies found that increased odds of developing new lesions occur approximately four to eight weeks after the stressor, uh, high risk stressors have been identified such as death, death of a close relative, um, work stressors, financial stressors, conflict and disruption in routine, as well as serious life events um, has been associated with relapses. I did think it was interesting that it also, the same study out of the Netherlands found that, um, viral infections can do the same thing. So typically, you know, whether it, their examples were the flu, anything with like a fever, right? UTI. I was like, Oh Lord, Oh Lord. I'm just getting over that. So it's like, I've got a four to eight week period. I better like, and doctor. Yeah. The neurologists are big on that one too, though. They'll that's as soon as you go in and you're presenting with a flare, they'll say, I want to test you for UT. They ask, do you have a UTI? Like, I feel like it's, that's more practical in neurological circles to know, like if you have a MS symptom, they automatically may rule out making sure you don't have a UTI. So interesting. So I'm sure listeners and, uh, um, viewers, it, maybe they didn't know about that because, because we're 20 years in, we've got, uh, you know, uh, we've got experience with this. Um, but yeah, so living with MS you, we, we have to kind of 
figure out how to decrease the amount, right? Of we know life is going to happen. Seasons of life happen. So we have to figure out ways that work for us that can minimize sort of, uh, the stress of life. Um, so we're going over our timelines. I would love to hear Tara, if you want to tell us your, as far as a timeline, we thought it would be kind of cool, like looking back through our walks and when we had our, uh, attacks essentially. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if I want to go back, like starting present to, uh, past just because of right now I am in a season I've been relatively healthy and, um, relapse free for probably four to five years. Um, but in the last four months, um, my husband resigned from his job and did it when he did, didn't know he, like what, what he was going to do or what his job was going to be. And so that meant that we were relocating our family and this all happened in January. So now it's April. And so in January, actually during these months, um, it, it was, it has been stressful. So that meant we were going to move our kids. Didn't know where we were going to move to. Now we do know where we're moving to. Um, yeah, just that financial piece, but I, um, started, yeah, having ringing in my ear and experienced some, um, recent, um, I feel like stress induced flares. And though this is the first time where I felt the stress correlated with a new flare, like something I've never experienced before. So that was my ear ringing. I also have felt a little bit of, um, like, like a little bit of a slurred speech and, um, that, which has been kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um, like almost like I had to focus on talking and all let's say, not that we have to go into what specific symptoms I've had, but there was a direct correlation with like stress. Like I definitely have been, um, going through like, like you mentioned some of those, um, yeah, just stress, big, bigger stressor of life's. And I feel like in my timeline, this is one going on right now. Um, and going back then from here, um, I can tell you that. And then if you go all the way back to the very first symptom I've had, it was definitely, um, I had a stress just optic neuritis. Um, and I don't know why that's going on anyways. And I, um, when I was good, it was, basically graduating college, didn't know where I, um, what I was going to do. And I was working, I was doing an internship and then I was graduating college. And that's when I experienced my very first symptom of optic neuritis. Two years later, I had already graduated, moved. I was moved to DC and I was working a ton of hours, um, probably 60 hours a week, 60 to 65 hours a week. And I then experienced my other optic neuritis, my other flare. So both of those stress induced, you know, like we're, I mean, I'm sure there's other things, factors going on, but it was, um, a variable. It was definitely, um, I, I know for sure that those, I was probably getting less sleep, not taking care of my body. Um, yeah, not managing my stress. Well, probably certainly, definitely in my early twenties. Um, And then as I continued through the course of my journey of MS, um, I would say that the other, um, I would say I also had vertigo right after I had my son Colton, which I don't think was like necessarily stress induced, but 
anytime I'm under stressful conditions that pops back up vertigo. So like it's an old, it's a symptom that was a flare that I probably have damage in that certain brain area. But when I'm um, under stress, maybe more tired. Um, yeah. I, I experienced vertigo. Like it, it comes up on me like that. So yeah. it's not necessarily a new flare, but it's something that just comes back up on me. Um, and then the ultimate, the underlying fatigue is always more pronounced. I can tell in my MS walk, um, is more pronounced when I'm feeling those triggers or under those triggers. Yeah. So really those are your only attacks. So you had two at the beginning that you've got the vertigo and then just recently. And then I've had, I had some quiet. Yeah. I mean, I've had some progression in my MRI that have, um, so I have lesions that I've had not clinically, the disease has been progressing, but not, there's not been clinical correlation. I mean, I I have some underlining, you know, like specificity, like, I mean, but, um, like overall, those are like, have been my, that's awesome. um, That's pretty, that's pretty great for 20 years. Pretty. uh, Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, you know, and then the cognition, um, but I can always tell, yeah, when I, when I'm under those different seasons of life or under day-to-day stressors, which is important. And we'll get into how we manage them. Like if I'm not managing my stress, well, I, you know, I think it impact, it does. I know my body, I can tell my MS is being impacted by the way I'm managing or not managing my MS. Yeah. What about you, Bobby? (laughs) Well, I kind of kept mine short because my list is very long and we'd probably be here for a while. So I'm going to kind of break it up um, as short and to the point. So it's kind of funny that you mentioned that earlier, Nikki, about uh, kind of triggers symptoms happening with death of family. So mine goes back when I didn't know that I was having an MS attack. And I actually, it happened when the big earthquake happened in Japan in 2011. And we were like high stress situation was going on. So we were uh, evacuated to Guam and dealing with hardcore working 16 hours a day, hot, like all the above and trying to like make sure my family that, you know, I'm okay. Everything's fine. All the things. Well, during that time, um, got back to Japan. We had like a month before we were headed out to deployment and I get a phone call that my uncle passed away. So this uncle, I've talked about him before, is like a second dad to me. Well, Navy told me, you ain't going home. Sorry, but we have to go on this deployment. We don't have enough manpower. So plus during this time, which was very hard because we were going through a whole new rotation of new personnel coming in and veteran personnel leaving. So it was very, very hard, new upper management to people trying to figure out what they were doing. So everything was chaotic. There was no sandstone of symmetry on anything. Well, that crushed me um, and uh, had to go on deployment. So a month after, I believe it was, I couldn't talk to my family on the phone. So everything was through email. And um, my mom told me that my uncle unexpectedly died. 
he went in for surgery for gallbladder surgery and died on the operating table. And it was a huge thing. They brought him back while he ended up on hospice and he died a month after. So Navy told me you ain't going home. So I'm like dealing with all these stresses, dealing with my command, like job related stresses and mishaps happening and everybody's blaming each other. And it was a whole whole workup. Well, and plus we had new, um, new chiefs, new first classes, and they're trying to, you know, strong arm their presence that they were the boss that things were going to go this way. And it was a huge stressor, huge. Well, um, and plus there was a lot of tension in my shop. Everybody was separated versus working together as a team, which made everything worse. So then that's when I started getting symptoms. I started, my first was headaches, um, actually headaches I've never experienced before. Um, then I started getting numbness and tingling and super weak. And I kind of fell out of this out of body kind of feeling, but had to go to work, worked on the flight deck night shift. And it got to the point that I was so stressed out that my whole face started going numb. And then I started getting optic neuritis, but you know, you're still fit for duty, like working on at night. So that was even a stressor because I knew deep down something was wrong, but no one was listening to me. So I kept my mouth shut and kept on working. And that's why I did. I did my job and you know, things just got worse. Um, I couldn't, cause we, cause during that time, my job was dealing with all weapon systems on F-18 Super Hornets. So we have missiles that we have to load on the wingspan and I could barely even lift it up anymore. And I realized something was going on because I was losing my strength. And so from there um, was at my next duty station, my husband was away and I had a baby, he was seven months old, dealing with medical review board, dealing with the military, going to work, figuring out everything. Well, that's when I got a tack on my other eye for optic neuritis. So at the time, they didn't think it was MS related until the doctor saw my chart and he was like, we need to call your neurologist. So did so that then let them go back and listen to Bobby's story on our, on our, um, last podcast, yeah. but like, just fast forward to like all of your, like, what were you going through in your life at all of your attacks? Okay. So then the next one was my moving time, which was a big, during that time I had struggles with doctors, which stressed me out, dealing with mom life, trying to go to school. And I was kind of having like minor, like not, not major attacks that I experienced before, but I noticed that I was walking funny, that I had less strength in my legs. And I didn't put two and two together that it had anything to do with my MS because I kind of got to a point that I was ignoring it. And my neurologist was like, you should have told me like, we could have helped you. And I'm like, how do I know when I'm, I'm having an attack though? Like how, how do I know? And that was hard trying to figure that out. I dealt with the up and down of that for probably two years until I had a really bad one, which, um, attacked my lower back. I couldn't walk. I was in so much pain. I, uh, 
it took the, my doctor get treatment a week. So I couldn't walk down the stairs. I was tripping and falling. My husband had to help me. Thank goodness for family helping with my kids. And during that time I was moving, I was ripping carpets out to replace new. So which meant more money. We were moving and paying for a vow renewal. So I was just overwhelmed, even though at the time I was like, you know, I got this, I'm fine. Like everything's okay. But in reality, I was just ignoring the situation. Mm -hmm. And my other one that I can really think of, um, during that, then from then to about last, well, February, I kind of rode the roller coaster up and down. My cognitive got worse. My insomnia got worse, sleeping struggles. And I kind of just tried to do it on my own because doctors, like my doctor now is great and she's helping me, but I just, sleeping's hard. And I've realized sleep is so important with the recovery and de-stressing. But February, my husband went to um, training for two weeks, which I had to take care of his canine. So I don't want to mess his canine up. Like you have to learn all these commands. And so I was, I was putting so much perfection on that, that I was stressing myself out, even though I had no clue feeling that I was stressing myself out, but I really was putting so much stress on my body, which triggered a completely new symptom with the trigeminal neuralgia. So that's kind of the basis of mine, like big ones that I can think of versus the small ones. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm way more timeline. So mine will be shorter. <laughs> so I like went back to like all the years when I was first diagnosed, it was 2015. And I just moved to DC at 24 years old. I left all my friends by myself and that was my first attack. And I think, you know, the stress of moving, um, 2009, right after I had my baby, we tend to always have another attack after we have our child. So that was my second one. Um, and I had just left again, moving is a big thing. And I think for military, um, you know, we move all the time and people think like, oh, you know, there's no, no big deal. Like, aren't you used to it? No, it's not fun leaving your friends that you love. Um, and so, you know, I had just moved to Wisconsin and left all my friends in Northern Virginia and I had my second attack. Um, my third attack was two years later, um, my marriage was falling apart. That's always fun. Um, then three years later, uh, then I went through a, a divorce. Oh, another move, another move back to Virginia from Wisconsin, all the friends that I met there, another move, uh, I, uh, I, I pretty bad separation, um, not by my choice. Um, so that was my fourth attack, fifth attack. I moved again, moved to Iowa. I left all my friends again, moved to Iowa uh, because of divorce. So that was my fifth attack. Um, sixth attack, relationship struggles. It, it's a kind of a pattern with me. Either I'm moving or relationship struggles, which is probably why I'm single at 42. It's a little scary to go back to that. Um, so seventh attack was right before I moved from Iowa to North Carolina, leaving all my Iowa friends. Um, and then recently, my last attack was actually two years ago. I've been pretty good um, for the last two years, but that was uh, the world was losing their freaking mind. Uh, the Trump campaign was over. Uh, and I was just, yeah, I was like, 
I just felt like uh, I just moved into a new house and I felt like the world was full of morons and I was, uh, you know, uh, it's stressful, stressful, um, make, make people mask my face. No way. And so that, yeah. So I think that, you know, when it comes to those major events in life, um, can we avoid them? No, we can't avoid them. Um, you know, sometimes you have to move sometimes, you know, you can't save your marriage because I know. I think I may have more about the same amount of moves in my life as you. I'm mean, moving up the military and football. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't not, right. I mean, I suppose right. some people can, but not military, not people like Tara's family. I just, um, you know, so what do we do to manage those things when life happens? What are we doing? Um, right. And I think that's what, you know, the majority of this conversation we wanted to talk to you guys about is just how, you know, all three of us do it differently. I, maybe we, we, we do maybe one thing similar. I don't know. I don't know what you guys do. So I'm excited to learn. So Tara, what do you, I'll go last. Tara, what do you do? Okay. Um, yeah, I think one, I feel like I do stay grounded in the Lord. I mean, I, if I didn't, wasn't able to surrender control, um, and just know I, I serve a sovereign God. I, I feel like that is my, um, way to cast out fear, cast off anxiety. Um, and so even like on a day to day, like even besides just prayer and meditation, um, I feel like worship music is a huge, like just stress reliever that I can take my mind off. I love, um, getting in the car without any of my kids. In fact, if I was in a perfect world, I would get in my car, which I actually do a little bit more now. I'm like, Colton, watch Cannon. I'm getting in the car. See you later. I'll be back in 30 minutes. And I might stop and do a couple errands, but I am in my car just enjoying worshiping and putting on some music and hopefully it's warm. And I have the, the top, like my sunroof down, but because I live in Michigan, that's only three months of the year. Oh, so. No. Uh, <laughs> I feel like my car is the best place to be because I can put my heat, my seat warmer on and be toasty warm. And I'm always cold in that. I hate being cold with my MS. So that is like definitely my go-to. Um, and I would say I you really have to keep my life simple. I feel like one reason, Nikki, you said, yeah, you've had, you've been pretty healthy. And I feel like I can manage even the little MS of things that do come up because um, you know, I do stay at home so I can keep, I can keep a routine. I don't feel like I have some, not that being at home isn't stressful. There's certainly stressful things, but I feel like going to work is a whole another level of like going to a physical job and the boss and expectations. And there's just, I just don't have that. I feel like that's one way I've been able to stay healthy because I keep things simple. I have to like, yeah, just have a routine. Um, and like, I feel like when other things outside my routine come in or I'm deviating in my normal pattern of life that can cause stress. So I try to just keep things simple, keep routine, um, but definitely worship prayer. And then like, I also love running, but you know, I usually only do that in this, you know, working out, but running in the summertime or when it's warm, um, taking warm baths, like, or showers, um, um, are relaxing to me. I like to now diffuse my doTERRA essential oils because I feel like smells and different things brings me into like a place of like, just feeling like, I don't know. I just, there's some people, I just am moved by like, I just am brought to like good feelings when I smell good things. <laughs> yeah, no, 
Oh, it's a thing. Stuff. Definitely a yeah. specific thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I wouldn't allow enough time for each one of you, but those are definitely some of my just go-tos. I mean, and I love like Netflixing and chilling. Like, it, I mean, especially when I feel like I can't think or there's too much noise and chaos going on, which also is a stressor for me. Um, it does help just to, yeah, just chill when I'm like a weekend or a night or it's just like, okay, I'm just going to turn on Netflix and just like, you know, try to not think about. Are you, are you an introvert? I'm just curious. Um, would I you say- prefer to stay at home or would going out energize you and, and release stress? Well, I am a homebody of like I do enjoy being home, but I do like like I just got done Monday and Tuesdays. I have Bible studies, and I have I do get energy off of like being in um, relationship with people, like going out for coffee, talking. I do like just going to grab a cup of coffee with a friend, sitting down and talking when I can. I mean, now I have Canon, so not as often as I can. But even when I go to Bible study on Mondays and Tuesdays, I'm able to drop them off, and I just love talking to women and hanging out. So in that way, I feel like I'm extroverted. Um, I don't want to go to like a big party, um, you know, and go get a lot of energy off other people. But um, I think more one-on-one interacting and like, you know, so yeah. Yeah. Bobby, you're up. What do you do? What do you do to chill? (laughs) Oh, one thing uh, I'm a homebody. Um, I feel like through the last few years, I've become an, a really major homebody, um, especially cognitively, my speech, finding words, I get very subconscious of myself. So I will kind of sit back, kind of watch people kind of mimic, like just play along. Cause I don't, if I don't know them, I don't want to open that page to them because it makes me too nervous. Mm-hmm. So smaller settings, um, I'll try to push myself out but it kind of just depends. I need someone that I'm comfortable with to be there with me. I can't do it on my own, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I'm okay with that. I used to struggle with it, but things that I had to start being honest with myself was kind of setting boundaries, like being honest with people, asking for help. Asking for help is very hard for me because I'm, I used to be just a go-getter. I can do it on my own. I'll just get it done. But it's just getting to the point that I can't really do that anymore. And that it's okay to have messes, which that would make me make my anxiety worse, which triggers my stress because I always put the image of, I feel dirty. Like I'm disgusting because I have dishes in the sink or something like that. I would just pick apart myself. So learning boundaries, setting boundaries for myself and being okay with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's usually a mindful thing versus just actually doing it. It's kind of having that conversation with yourself. Um, One thing to help build that serotonin in my body is some kind of workout. My workouts have changed throughout the years. Um, I struggle with my left leg a lot. So doing squats, things like that, I can't really do very good anymore, which can trigger stress, but I'm finding different ways to still find joy because it feels good when I get done. I feel relieved. I feel stressed and I know it's good for me. So I push myself, even though majority of days, I don't even want to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of realizing the people around me, this is something new for me. Um, kind of getting away from, I don't want to say always negativity, but 
surrounding myself with people who are uplifting, doing something amazing in their life because it inspires me to do something that I never expected to do. And it brings a whole different of uh, success, which success looks so different. Like success for me could be like getting up, making my bed, making my kids breakfast and not being like I'm lying on the couch, like in so much pain. Mm-hmm. So kind of changing the definition, which kind of has helped not really minimizing that stress, but hot showers, something self-care makeup just to make me feel good, kind of turns that around. Eyelashes, like totally. things um, can turn your day around. And I feel like sometimes we take those little things for granted, like it's not a big deal. And kind of changing that thought around like this is a big deal like I get to do this and it makes me feel good and yeah so yeah I love that so I'm listening to like person it's 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 before I talk about myself it's very like personality driven as well so I listen to you so obviously everybody's going to either have to work at things like you said you had to actually work at that Whereas that's like no big deal. Like I don't even like I could have dirty crap in my sink all day all long and it wouldn't bother me. So it's interesting. It's like some people, some people, it's personality driven on whether you're going to let um anxiety or, or or just just stress of life actually get to you. Some people are a little bit, it's easier and they don't have to work at it. Um, so that's very interesting to me. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I think all of us, don't you think that there's some similarities to, um, I feel like it kind of requires you to be easygoing and laid back and personality. You have to let things go quicker and easy. Yeah. You can't take offense to so much anymore. Like we used to in our twenties and Uh 30. So, but, um, yeah, you just have to let people be who they are. And then you don't need to hang out with that person. You don't need to still be friends with that that person. You don't, as your seasons of your life. And as the, you know, as, as, uh, MS kind of like, uh, as it happens, right. Like as the seasons of life happen, you can let go to people that you were cool with 10 years ago, or even five years ago, or even two years ago. I feel like that is my mechanism. I am very easy. I'm very black and white again, being military, like Bobby, I'm very like, there's really no gray in my world, um, which can be bad. Um, it has positives and negatives, but I'm able to, well, this isn't the very godly part of my personality. Um, if you make me mad, I, I buy like buy, and I don't feel bad. I might feel bad for a little bit because I'll miss the person or I'll miss like the, what the relationship I did have with the person. But if you cross me, if you're, if you, if you lie to me, if you, if, if you're going to bring negativity into my bubble and, and I used to be made fun of like, Oh, Nikki's world, Nikki's world. Well, that was pre 20. 2020, 2020 really kind of, huh? But before 2020, like I was, I lived in this like bubble, right? Um, I, since then I'm trying to get back to my bubble <laughs> uh, of just like surrounding myself with people that, you know, will like Bobby said, will encourage me, will inspire me, will, um, you know, wants to go do volunteer work with me. Like, I don't like, I, I'm very picky about my friend group. Um, which may sound weird because I I do have a big sphere of influence in my community, but the people that I actually call a friend and not an acquaintance, it's a very small group. And I do that purposely. 
Um, so that's kind of what I, I definitely control Oh, social media. I don't have an issue blocking people. In fact, it's fun to me. And so I definitely do keep my social media, you know, it's called social media for a reason. I don't want to be social with everyone. If you, if, if you don't agree with me, it, it kind of stresses me out. So bye. Like, and that's not right. Like, I'm not saying that's the right attitude, but it's my attitude and it works for me. It keeps me like chill um, because everybody's happy on my page all the time. I never have to deal with anything negative. Um, let's see, drama. Yeah, drama. I tend to st- just try to stay away from drama. That keeps me stress-free. Um I just don't want to deal with it. Like, I don't want to deal with people that bring drama. Um, my routines definitely, like Tara was saying, like it, I try to stick to my routines. That's also why I really don't travel much. Um, uh, I used to, obviously, before it's progressed a little bit. And and now I just find that if I get out of my routine, it stresses me out. Um, and so why? I'll drive places, but when it comes to flying, it better be something like I'm, I'm probably going to fly to Vegas uh, for that red light therapy. And I'm going to stay by myself. I love you, Lynette. I know you're listening, but I, I have to stay by myself because when it comes to travel, I'm already out of my routine. I just, I need to like go do what I came to do and, and not be social, not get to know random people I'll never see again. Um, so yeah, routines, uh, keep me chill driving vice flying. Cause then you're in control. Maybe that's a suggestion for, I think that's a good point in control. I think we like to be in control of our environments. Yeah. And, and maybe it is because it's, it's a disease that you don't have control over. So maybe that is, um, uh, subconscious or, or maybe that, that's just how all three of us are. Um, but maybe it's not, maybe it's because of this disease, uh, any type, any area of our life that we can control, like the lashes, we, we tend to like, you know, we want to do it because we're in control of that. Um, it's still good. Yeah, exactly. Laughing. I like, I love funny people. If you're funny, it's fun to be around. It's so fun. I feel like laughing is a huge outlet, a relief of stress. Um, even if it's, uh, you know, laughing at political figures, just kidding. (laughs) Um, but I mean, find laughter anywhere that you can. It's just laughter is good for the soul. If you have funny friends, stick with them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) then Let's see. I agree with the not working outside of the home. Um, I, I, you know, it's definitely more stressful if you have like a schedule and you're on somebody else's schedule and you're on a pay payroll, um, finding a job that you can do from home. Um, that's where a lot of direct sales and MLMs come into play. Like, you know, you surround yourself with people doing the same thing you're doing and it's fun and you have fun and you don't, you're not on a certain schedule. So that's definitely something that I would recommend as well. And then um, reflexology, man, let people touch your feet. If you can find a reflexology, you know, you yeah, why, wonder why you think that works so much. Cause when, whenever I get a massage, which isn't very often, but I always yeah. want them to massage my feet and they, they don't do it very long. But when they, they are, it feels so good. 
They don't. So you have to go to an actual, most are found in malls. They're the ones where you walk in, you know how the people are like laying on their bellies, getting their back rubs upright. I think that's weird. It doesn't feel good to me, but if most of those places do, they call it yeah, reflexology. So you pay for 30 minutes of just your feet, just your legs and your feet. And it is, it will change your world. If you haven't looked into it, look at your local mall. It's usually about 30 to $35 for a half hour. And it will, if you add that to your weekly routine, routine, um, or maybe biweekly, oh, it makes a difference. So that's definitely something that I utilize. And then first thing in the morning, like Bobby, like, you know, obviously my workouts have changed as well. Um, but I got to get something done. I got to get, once I wake up, I have a little bit of coffee or pre-workout Jesus, I still drink a pre-workout drink and I'm not jumping doing insanity anymore, but it's like a routine. It makes me feel good. Right. So I still drink the beach body energize, energize myself to stretch. Hey, it works for me. Um, so, you know, so then I get on the mat and I stretch. I love that. Matt, you know, we had Matt on a couple of weeks ago. And if you didn't check out his podcast, you, all right, you should, it was from a couple of weeks ago, but he brings that up. He's like, I tell MS patients, you know, well, what can you do? Because we are all at different levels. And so yeah. if, if, if it's just stretching your arms or moving your legs or, um, yeah, just doing something. And I think not only is it just good for our bodies, but there's something to the physical aspect of it that helps us with dealing with stress. Absolutely. If I don't do downward dogs in the morning, I feel like I'm so stiff. Like that yoga, I mean, as light as it is, I do yoga with Adrian because it's just chill and light. And that's just like, I just love her. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm super stiff until I get that stretching in. So if you haven't, if you're out there listening, you've never tried that in the morning, whew, that might change your walk as well. Daily stretching. Um, but yeah, speaking of fitness, uh, David Lyons is going to be on next month, actually in two weeks. Um, so he's going to talk to our listeners and viewers about MS fitness challenge, which is another, you know, amazing tool that he's provided in the last five years, um, for people of all, all walks with MS. So it's going to be exciting. I'm the biggest thing, I think this can bring an awareness to, Hey, if you just got diagnosed, if you just are starting your journey with MS, it's just a different way. Like make sure you're intentional with thinking about stress triggers of stress and how you're dealing with it, how you're managing it, how you're managing it. Yeah. Don't be scared. Just like be aware. Yeah. Cause I mean, you can't avoid it. Um, so yeah, just be aware. And I do feel like, I mean, think about back in 2003 and four when we were diagnosed Terrell or like clear back then mindfulness wasn't a thing. Trust me. Um, um <laughs> meditation wasn't a thing. I mean, I from, I'm from Fairfield, Iowa, and that's the Mecca of transcendental meditation. I mean, university of Maharishi. I mean, hello, like that's my town was known for that. And I thought it was weird. Um, and then, you know, fast forward 10 years from that 10 years ago, and that was the thing now it's everywhere is everywhere. So if you're newly diagnosed, or if you're new into your walk, you're like, you're, you're gold, dude, just pay attention to that. (laughs) <laughs> utilize the tools out there and you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. Cause the stress isn't going away. You're always going to have life stressors. So yeah, let's ways to manage them. Um, yeah. All right. So another thing I was thinking, like, just like in the last minute community, community is a big deal when it comes to MS and Bobby and I, well, we were all talking before we got on live. So I think you should tell them of what your, um, because you are a little younger, um, and you might be in some groups that we're not in, but what were you seeing as far as community? You had some advice. 
So community-wise, I feel like it's so important. Like being able to have others around you, but not everyone though. So I was a part of a lot of support groups and that's what I dove into when I was very first diagnosed. And I didn't really realize how negatively impacting it was until this last year. And I know like having that connection is helpful. We want to be heard. We want to know that we're not alone in this. But when something like negatives hit, for me, it triggered all these emotions that I let to be okay with. And it kind of just snuck right back in and it destroyed me. And I had to redo it all over again. And I kept doing that for years until last year and it clicked. And so I had to say goodbye to all those groups because I couldn't. And that goes for social media too. Like there's certain accounts that I can't follow because it just puts this blockage up, which I can look back now and be like, oh my gosh, if newly diagnosed that that would just fuel my emotions that I'm going through versus giving something that's going to help me get through it and live with it and learn how to, when it does come up, what do I do to keep going versus being thrown back like 10 steps? Yeah. Yeah. And that takes some self-awareness as well. Um, just go ahead. Well, and I think like you said, self-awareness, but like have like being aware of it, like looking for those things, because sometimes that switches off, but it doesn't happen when something drastic happens, that switch will flip on. So kind of just, like you said, being aware, kind of looking at those things, how you feel, what triggers around you and just kind of take note. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely helps having people like in person around you. So not so much in the social world of people you'll probably never meet. Yeah. I was thinking about in community. Yeah. With one-on-one in person. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. So whether it's a church, whether it's a volunteer group that uh, you find, whether it's, you know, a political group of ladies that you love, like just somebody in person, because not all of us have husbands. And so a little bit trickier if you're on your own, but I would um, definitely uh, encourage you to um, find groups locally. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how you, that's how you meet people. Um, it's, yeah. it's meeting people in your thirties and forties and fifties. And that's the way I've been able to do it. So um, yeah, that was well, yeah. Nice. Hopefully, this helped, hopefully this helped you and gave you some ideas. Um, of how to manage and be encouraged that uh, there's many different um, avenues out there to um, to utilize instead of the oh poor me mentality. Don't have that mentality; it'll just spiral you downward. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. All right. Have a great Bye. rest. Of the day. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.